This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Today on 2NURFM 103.7, Barry Preston, we have a special guest. We do. We have Terry McCran. And Terry, of course, reaches a bigger audience than any other columnist through the Daily and Sunday Telegraphs, the Australian, that's, of course, in New South Wales, and uh, in Melbourne, the Herald Sun and Sun Herald, Sunday Herald Sun. And Terry, over a quarter of a century, has written daily commentary on business, the economy, politics, and he's been providing critical analysis and commentary on the great events and personalities that have shaped our nation. He is a former Graham Perkin Journalist of the Year, Financial Journalist of the Year, winner of the Melbourne Press Club's Golden Quill Award and winning the prestigious Walkley Award. And have you added to that uh, lately, Terry? Good afternoon, Barry. Good afternoon to your listeners. No, I've probably earned some uh, uh, negative uh, reviews of recent times from some of the things I've written. That's okay. It's good to read your column. I thoroughly enjoy it. Let's get into it. Interest rates, of course, which uh, is always a great subject. Now, I think last interview in February, we discussed that uh, uh, many things from commentators and analysts that their view was interest rates would be around about 2 to 2.5% later this year. Have you any thoughts on this? Uh, we're talking there, Barry, about the Reserve Bank's official rate, which basically sets rates across the economy, which is currently now at 3%. Uh, it's possible it could go lower. Um, the Reserve Bank doesn't really want to send it lower because the, the big issue when you put rates down is that at some point you've got to start bringing them up. Yeah. And the further you go down, the more problem you have on the way up. Uh, it, it also is... The Reserve Bank is, is seeing more signs of a of a bottoming in the in the recession in the world not just not 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 in australia particularly but in the world and, and most importantly in china so again it probably it would like to sort of uh, sit on the sidelines and watch to see how this unfolds uh for a while because it delivered very big interest rate cuts we're getting a lot of stimulus from the budget so it would really like to see how all this plays out over the next couple of months so bottom line comment barry no change in the official rate uh, and therefore, probably in bank rates, uh, the actual rates that borrowers have to pay uh, for the foreseeable future. Okay, it's funny, you know, we've seen comments and uh, <clears throat> we've, uh, I suppose a lot of people have read it and have been a little bit angry that banks overall, and I did read somewhere that some building societies and credit unions didn't pass on the last full 0.25% cut. Now, of course, their reason that they give, it's their funding costs are increasing. Now, this seems contrary to the Reserve Bank reducing rates, yet their funding costs are increasing. Now, let's look at it. Terry, banks borrow from the public, don't they? At low rates, yes. At low rates. Now, mostly low rates. I mean, some of the mm. banks are offering quite attractive rates in some areas to try and attract new customers. I mean, you can, some banks you can get up to 4% on a fixed term deposit. So mm. that's uh, quite an attractive rate. And also banks, I think, in the wholesale market issue income securities. I think they're listed on the Australian Stock Exchange at a margin. I think they use the bank bill swap rate, the 90-day swap rate plus a margin. Is that correct? That's right. They borrow in the official market, in, a, in, the, in, sorry, in the wholesale market in Australia, where they do pay something more than um, both the bank bill rate, which in turn is linked to this Reserve Bank official rate. And they also go overseas to borrow. And they also go overseas to borrow, where they've been very active borrowers right through the last decade, borrowing literally, and this figure might, your listeners might have trouble getting their minds around it, over, in the hundreds of billions of dollars, not hundreds of millions, 
hundreds of billions of dollars uh, they've borrowed overseas. Interesting. When we talk, isn't it funny the words we're throwing around these days, like trillions and billions, as though it was sort of you know, throwing smarties and minties at the world? It's unbelievable. Well, I'd use the word trillion, Barry. But <laughs> I must send you something on that one day to show you what it looks like. Australia has huge advantages, of course, over many other countries, and because of our rates, the RBA has still some, if it wished, to bring them down by 0.25. It's got 12 reductions that it can talk about. Now, the places like the USA, <clears throat> I think it's down to about 0.16% official. Practically zero, Barry. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, 0.1%, 0.1% is effectively zero. <laughs> and the UK, 0.5%. Now, I read somewhere recently that that is the lowest it's been since 1650. I'm talking in years here, 1650. Yeah, probably, is. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, they've got nowhere to move. Well, that's right. Well, they, they have got somewhere to move, which is so-called quantitative easing, where they actually start printing money. Ooh. Now, they don't print the money in literally and, and uh, hand out, you know, sort of scatter £10 notes or $10 bills uh, from rooftops, but they, they, it would be done by injecting, you know, computer transactions, injecting those credits into, into the accounts of the major banks. But uh, that's, again, somewhere we really don't want to go because you've even got to deal with the consequences of that uh, in a year's time, in two years' time, in five years' time. Called inflation. Exactly. <laughs> Terry, look, uh, everyone's saying we're at the bottom of the interest rate cycle. We see home loans, fixed loans firming up a little bit. Um, are banks cautious, do you think, here? Well, it's reflecting, I think, the, the fact, exactly what your point, that people are becoming a little more optimistic about the future and therefore are more inclined to be prepared to invest longer term uh, when, when obviously when things are very scary, you tend to want to almost keep your money literally under the bed. <laughs> uh, so um, all of these are signs that um, things people are a little more optimistic about the future. Now, whether in fact that plays out, Barry, as we know, uh, we'll only find out as we go through the rest of the year and into 2010. Of course, the interest rates take a while to filter through the system, whether they're going up or going down, don't they? That's right. Now, I think it's important to realise that um, we, we're in really a very advantageous position compared to the other countries that it's like a reverse of the Irish joke you know the, the Irishman is asked by some tourist what's the way to Cork and the response is I wouldn't want to be starting from here <laughs> in our case I was, we started from exactly the right position we had interest rates which were high enough so we had plenty of room to cut and we had a budgeting surplus so we had plenty of uh, a budget that we could uh, mm. could use uh, now we can debate whether we've gone too far, but that's another point. But we certainly had a much greater ability than these other countries, as you've indicated, to really deliver big, big, big stimulus and big uh, uh, advantages to borrowers and to ordinary Australians. Terry, the situation you're in, have you seen any concrete evidence of interest rate cuts working in the USA, the UK, or Japan? Now, of course, Japan seems to be a bit of a basket case at the moment, but have you seen it? working in these areas? Not in the sense that, Barry, that you would say there's the interest rate cut, here's the plus. But I think it's more the case that maybe the minus is less than it would otherwise have been. That uh, the rate in which things are going down in the US is, is, is easing mm -hmm. and that's what's causing a lot of the optimism. I don't think you can say the same thing about Japan. Uh, Japan looks really in bad shape because it's so tied into selling stuff into the global marketplace, 
all those TVs and uh, electronic goods and so on, so that it's made me much more impacted by uh, the, the slowdown in America. And, and, it's, and whatever stimulus you might give in Japan, it's really dependent on what happens in the rest of the world. There's a good description. You know, you mentioned that. I suppose one could say that Japan really didn't diversify as much as it should in its business. Well, no. I mean, it, it, dealt, it dealt the hand that was uh, given to it, I guess, which is mm. uh, to be a, a, a very effective producer of consumer goods and very advanced consumer goods, and it's done a great job uh, in the past. I mean, Japan's got very rich on that basis, mm. but now it's paying a price. A huge portion of the world's population, of course, is in India and China, but we never see much evidence of interest rates movements in these countries. No, you don't. Um, they, they do happen, uh, and they have been happening in China, but the big thing in China has been the government, because it is a communist country, it is a country where Beijing can, can, can control things, as we saw with the Olympics. Mm. And what you're seeing more there, Barry, is... The government's deciding to go out and uh, build 10 dams or the government going out and deciding to uh, inject a huge amount of money into sort of the, some of the things we're doing, but on a much more, much more direct, much more uh, major scale. 103.7, 2NURFM. Well, you're listening to Finance Talk Back, Barry Preston. We're talking with Terry McCran. We certainly today. are. Terry, of course, is one of Australia's best-known and respected uh, financial journalists and we're looking, Terry, now about something that uh, I've been looking at very closely. I haven't seen this in my time, a faster direct feed of disposable income into consumers' pockets. When we look at the average mortgage of, say, 300000 let's forget the pedantics about rates, probably a, a savings there of about 10500 or two per annum or about $200 a week, tax cuts about $19 a week, and the fuel down by also probably $19 a week, that adds up to about 240 for the average person. Now, that's a big uh, increase in people's disposable income. It is indeed, Barry, and you can throw into that again those checks in the mail from Kevin Rudd. They've only been one-offs, but uh, they've also provided a big increase. Hmm. Two things I would say about this, Barry. One, it's why this is a recession that sort of isn't one that seems very painful to most people, not like... Uh, in 1990, the last time we had a serious downturn, when in fact interest rates went up yes. dramatically and were ripping money out of people's pockets. Uh, and I think a lot of your listeners might find sort of a bit puzzled by all this discussion about gloom because in one sense uh, things have never been better for, for a lot of your listeners. But I think that's not the full story because obviously there are other people that are losing their jobs. Yes. Uh, businesses that are finding it tough to, uh, to to maintain sales and, and obviously staff. And the second thing, Barry, is it's, it's good while it lasts, but if in fact we do have some rough medicine to take, we may end up with all this handout, with all this money going to people's pockets, maintain spending which really can't be maintained in a sustainable way longer term. So I'd be worried about where we, where we are in 12 months' time if in fact the world... Uh, stay, stay sick. Everything's good now as far as we in Australia are concerned. But when I say everything's good, I put question marks after that. Qualifications, yeah. Qualifications. But, of course, retirees have suffered. The rates have gone down and uh, the markets have gone down, so their wealth has suffered and some of their income has suffered. So there's an area where it hasn't very been good. Point, very, very good point, because we... Uh, yes, for somebody that's working, somebody that has a mortgage, you've got those savings, but uh, for a retiree... They don't get those savings, by and large. Yes, they've uh, 
pensioners have got to increase finally in the budget. But um, when it comes through, living, their cost of living keeps going up relentlessly. Terry, the cuts are great. Economies change, and rates can turn very quickly. Do you have any message for borrowers? Uh, it's a difficult area, Barry. The, the 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 primary question is: Should you fix your interest rate? Uh, generally, I say no because there are certain barbs with fixed rate loans which you don't get with variable rate loans. But it's certainly something that people should think about in in very if they know exactly what they're doing. I know that's a very general thing yeah. to say, but the it's it's it goes to things like there's no point in fixing a loan if you might be selling your house in 12 months' time. No. Uh, so those sort of qualifications uh, come into this, and there's also at what rate you fix, and over what period. So it's it's not there's no simple answer to give to that, but that's um, something that people should bring about, think about. And the other big message, obviously, barriers, rates will go up again at some point. So don't think if you can if you know you look at what the, the variable rate is now, you think you can borrow more. Factor into your thinking the fact that uh, you might have to be you know those those figures you quoted might be reversed in. Uh, in one year or two years' time, and you, you, your payments will go up. You have to be able to afford them. There's no correct answer until you get down the track and look back. <clears throat> okay, now talking about borrowing, uh, friendly governments. I've received lots of questions regarding this, and there's a lot of curious uh, comments. Uh, borrowing, borrowing to build assets, that sort of in- infrastructure, as you mentioned, China and that sort of thing, that's sensible. But are we borrowing to meet lifestyle conditions, consumables, with no-end asset? One could say that's not a sensible strategy. That's a challenging question, Barry. I, you know, obviously, you borrow to make long-term investments. The biggest thing that individuals do is borrow to buy a house or build a house. Hmm. And for a country, you borrow to build infrastructure, and there's two types of infrastructure, really. The infrastructure that, that uh, is the foundation of economic activity, like rail, ports, power stations, and so on, and the infrastructure which we need from a social perspective, like hospitals, schools, and so on, which also obviously contribute to building the economy indirectly. Um, and I, you need to get that balance right. I'd be concerned about the, 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 maybe we're putting too much into the social infrastructure, maybe the lifestyle infrastructure, and we think there of the broadband uh, proposal, mm. um, not enough into new ports, and, and and no one's prepared to build a power station because that raised the, the dreadful question, are you going to build a coal-fired power station? <laughs> Lots of questions. We hear, of course, conflicting statements that does the government know how much Australia will end up borrowing? Look... Two hundred billion. Now, I think two hundred billion is something like two hundred thousand million. That's, <laughs> you know, that's that's a lot of noughts. Can we be convinced that this is what you call a temporary debt or a temporary borrowing? Or I think the borrowing won't be temporary. That this time round, we won't come. We won't have another government come in as we did in nineteen ninety six and pay off the debt. I don't have a big problem with that, provided we're only talking about two hundred billion. Um, the mm. worry, of course, is. If you get borrow two hundred billion, it's all too easy to borrow another hundred billion and another hundred billion. So, mm. the figure as proposed is not that is not challenging, uh, but you'd be worried. You know, you'd be cautious about uh, what it might lead to. Okay. In the past, governments have borrowed by issuing bonds to the general public, just like a bank term deposit. Uh, that could be a strategy. But let's look at it from this point. A. If yes, then rates must be competitive. Would that be correct? Now, if rates are competitive, of course, would that not be a direct uh, competition with banks and building societies? 
And where would you put your money? Obviously, yes, in the general sense, but a government bond is actually an important and, and useful investment for superannuation funds. And the fact that we haven't had any debt has been a bit of a problem for superannuation funds and may have led them to be putting their money into more speculative investments. So right. it's, it's, that's, that, there's a plus in, and we've got over a trillion dollars in superannuation funds, so they'd actually like to have a government bond to invest in. Uh, but uh, and, and, and if you're talking about 10-year bonds and, and, and longer, that's not really competing that much with bank accounts, which bank deposits, which are much shorter. But then let's look at it from another point of view. Bonds usually have a fixed rate of interest, do they not? Sure. Now, if we fix the rate at 5% and you borrow, say, a $100 bond and the rates outside the market go up to 10%, the capital value of your bond drops. Well, that's right. So there's a problem there. If, they, if, if anyone invests 10-year time in a 10-years bond at 5% and in 10 years' time the rate's at 12%, the value of your bond when you go to cash it in is going to be a heck of a lot less. No, 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 no. Oh, when, I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologise. In that you've got to wait till the end so, to get your money back. Along the way, if you wanted to sell it, you'd lose money. That's it, yeah, sorry, yeah. If you hold it to the 10 years, you get your $100 back. Hmm. And uh, then you presumably will get the top. If you want to reinvest, you get the top. And that's that's part of the investment risk mm. anybody takes, obviously going forward. Um, mm. And again, you know, if if, if the superannuation funds are, are intelligent, you have a mix of exposures, uh, and you don't again you don't put all your eggs in the one basket. So this is it. Uh, you might you might face some losses in that mix, but um, or loss of income rather than loss of. Uh, capital. And right now you're listening to Finance Talkback and Barry Preston. We're talking with Terry McCran and it seems that members of the public aren't, or the community, aren't the only people who go borrowing. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Terry, we, we've just gone through some areas the government could borrow. Where else could they borrow? Well, they'll borrow everywhere, Barry. Uh, the, 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 the primary place will be in Australia, from Australians, uh, mostly from superannuation funds, uh, probably they'll probably have years ago they used to have what was called an Aussie bond, yes. which was to borrow a, a security which was attractive to individuals to borrow to invest in. You may see them do something like that, and then they will borrow overseas in international markets in Japan, in on Wall Street, and so on. And the, the reason they do that again is to diversify the type of bond you offer and also tap other investors. So we would, we've got a fairly good uh, credit rating, haven't we, Australia? We're a AAA-rated borrower, obviously because we don't, you know, we have zero debt. And, and when you compare us, this is zero government debt. We've yes. always got to distinguish between what well, the government owes and what the country owes. Not quite the same thing. We'll have a look at that in a minute, yep. Um, so zero debt, AAA, this is the biggest challenge. And I, you know, the one thing that I would really be concerned about is if the government got too, too rash and lost that AAA rating. Uh, in which case it would make, it would not only be we pay more for our borrowings, but we might even have trouble actually borrowing the money. Mm, a bit of a concern there. Big concern. Big concern. Now, you mentioned about uh, national uh, different types of debt. We've got a current account deficit. That's basically your day-to-day or monthly trading, I think, isn't it? Well, just to explain it very briefly, Barry, for listeners that don't understand it, it's 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 all the income we earn as a country ex- from exports, from tourism, all those things. Uh, on the one hand, versus what we pay for imports, for tourism overseas, and importantly, the interest we have to pay on previous borrowings, whether borrowed by governments or by individuals or by banks. 
Right. Now, then also there's somebody asked me the other day, there's a national debt, the whole country, what it owes. Well, well, that's where you need to be very clear. The national debt really is what the government owes. Mm-hmm. And you can include the state governments in that, and it's quite low. Right. And then we have the foreign debt, yes. which is what we owe, what we as a country owe to foreigners. Now, the government doesn't owe very much to foreigners. It's mostly owed by banks uh, and companies that have borrowed Australian companies that have borrowed overseas. So it's not directly responsible for that, the government, either in terms of paying back or in, you know, having to service it. And I think we're pretty high. We're about 10 or 11 in position, I think, there. If we're I a remember. very big borrower because we run a very big deficit every year. So obviously every time you run a deficit, there's only really one way to cover that deficit, and that's to borrow. Keep borrowing. What sort of rates would the government be looking at at the moment, do you think, if they wanted to borrow? Uh, they would be looking uh, probably around 4 or 5%, depending mm-hmm. on how... How uh, and they are borrowing. They, their borrowings have already started. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're borrowing, you know, billions of dollars every week. It's not something that makes a big, big splash. Mm. Uh, and and they, and as I say, they, they've been being very attractive to investors. Terry, before we run out of time, infrastructure. There's a lot of talk about borrowing for infrastructure. Now, the problem with these sort of things, to get the borrowings or to get the actual um, the meat out into the public arena, it's going to take a long time because they've got to go through a lot of environmental issues, etc., etc., etc. Well, exactly right. It's, um, uh, the government's strategy has been to try and focus in the first stage on the infrastructure that is easy to do, which maybe is not necessarily the, the infrastructure that's best, which is school halls and things like that. And so, you know, you had this lot of money being made available, question, as you say, Barry, whether it's actually being spent to just to any school in the land that wants to put its hand up and say, let's have, you know, we'd like a million dollars to build a school, because these are a, a school hall, because these are things that can be done very quickly. Right. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily the best way to... To, to invest it. Yes, it might keep tradesmen employed, but it's not actually building infrastructure that's going to create jobs going forward. Uh, interesting. I mean, we're, we're battling up here with the road at the moment. I think they've been talking about it for many, many moons. Uh, the, well, the, uh, the, the, the approval process is a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could speed that up a little bit. I mean, well, we've absolutely. got to. Absolutely. Well, we should, sure, whether we yeah. can. Is the... Now, we're running out of time, and I'd like to ask you, how did you find the budget? Um, well, it wasn't a surprise, Barry. It was what we basically expected, partly because the government leaked it all. <laughs> it's the most leaked budget ever, isn't it? Process. They, they, they sort of told us most of the things. The, the one thing they didn't tell us was the pension age. Hmm. Everything else was disclosed pretty much before the budget. And um, uh, I think, in, you know, it's sort of about right, and it's about uh, what we would ex- expect to get at this time, given the, the state of play, that to expect something dramatically different, either a budget that that uh, cut and slashed, hmm. or the budget that handed out more money would have been, which just would have been unrealistic. So this was about right, I think, in terms and and you know what you'd expect. But I wouldn't. I would like to see those tax cuts cut, uh, cut because we, it's something we haven't got. We really don't need, in my opinion. Sorry about that, listeners. But that's well. The only thing I'd say about that, Barry, you, you, that's a, you, you've got a strong argument for that, undoubtedly. But um, the only thing I'd say counter is, given where we are and what, what we're in prospect, we're not going to see another tax cut probably in our, in our working lives, you, know, you and me. You have, mm. you have to be a young fellow 
mm. a young woman to uh, to actually get tax cuts going forward. I certainly don't see any in the next 10 years. No, it's going to be a long time, I think, Terry. Exactly. Terry, we never got through all our questions and looks right. like we may have run out of time, but on behalf of all the listeners from the, the beautiful uh, Hunter Valley, what's the weather like down there, by the way, in Melbourne? Uh, it's a bit grim. Oh, it's but not we, too good up here, either. We, I don't know if we were quite as wet as Brisbane and the Gold Coast yesterday, but we'd certainly like something like that. You're having some problems with water down there, aren't you? Well, we're having some problems without water. Without water. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Terry, look, on behalf of the uh, listeners in the Hunter Valley and 2NURFM 103.7 in particular, thank you very much for bringing uh, us uh, all the, the news on the, on the finance sector. We will be back very soon again to pick your brains of what's happening nationally and world. Thank you very much, Terry. All the best to you and your listeners, Barry. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, Terry McCran. You're listening to Finance Talkback on 2NURFM 103.7. Uh, we will find out, of course, more from the world of finance next week. Yes, with we will. Finance Talkback at 12 o'clock. We're having... The, on Thursday? Uh, on Thursday, yes, and uh, we're hoping and uh, Diane Jones from Centrelink to bring us up to date on all the budget things in respect to Centrelink. Thank you, Barry Preston. Thank you, Jane, and, and keep safe, everybody. Be back next week.